0: Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. It is good to be with you this Christmas Eve, and I hope that you're ready just to dive into the Word of God. If you're new here, I want to tell you a little bit about what we do here at Chapel Point um, when it comes to worship. We sing to God. A lot of our songs are vertical. They're not about us. They're about the greatness of who He is. Um, We pray to God and we open God's Word. That's it. That's all we do. So, who's ready to open God's Word? All right, so let's go Matthew chapter 2. It's one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, Luke is the one that tells probably the most detailed version of the birth of Jesus Christ. We'll get to a little bit of that later on. But today we're in Matthew chapter 2 because what we're going to be speaking about today is a royal visit um, from the wise men to Jesus Christ. Um, To help us process what we're going to hear today, I'm going to give you three key words that you're going to walk away with. Just three. That's it. All right. So you're going to have three words that you're going to look at seek, discover, and respond. Seek, discover, respond. Seek, discover, respond. Please say those. Seek, discover, respond. That's all you got to know. And we're going to talk about what it looks like to seek. After the truth, you're going to have the wise men. We're going to walk through that story and looking at the fact that they are seeking out the the Messiah, this this one that has been prophesied about. Um, Herod ends up looking for him as well, wanting to find him and seek him out. Uh, then all of a sudden, they each discover that there is a Messiah, and they respond in very different ways. In very very different ways, they end up responding, and that's what we get to be able to walk through today. And so. Um, Friends, when it comes to seeking, before we even get into scripture, I want you to know something. What you seek, what you're looking for, often reveals your identity. What you seek often reveals your identity. What you're looking for in life often reveals who you really are. You can start processing that even in the things that maybe you've asked for for Christmas or anything else. But what you are seeking, what you're looking for often reveals your identity. Jeremiah 29 says that you will seek me and find me when you search for for me with all of your heart. So we are going to talk about what it means to really be seeking after Jesus, that it reveals what our real identity is. But also we're gonna look at what it means to discover the birth of a Messiah, the King. What does that mean? And then even our response to that coming. What is our response to the birth? And often our response to something will vary based on our perceived understanding of whether or not we're losing or gaining, all right? If you get news about something and, and you think it's benefiting you, you typically go, woo, but if you get information or news about something and you think it's a loss to you, you get bummed out, all right? It's based on your, do you think you're going to gain something? So I'll give you an example. Um, Anybody going to have a nice Christmas dinner at some point today or tomorrow? Raise your hand. All right. So there you go. Some of you are younger, meaning your children. And we all know the favorite food group of all children is vegetables, right? No, no kidding. No. You're a mom and dad. You have your hands full. Um, so when we look at this, all of a sudden you go, hey, you got to eat your vegetables today. You have to eat your vegetables. They're going to say, I don't want to. Like what I used to do is I would take the roll. You hollow out the roll and you put the vegetables in the roll because your parents don't care if you don't eat the bread. Right? Anybody else do this growing up? Some of you did. You're just horrible, horrible people. Like, just like me. Um, so yeah, I used to, I would hide the vegetables and I, I even put them sometimes. I always asked for milk. Because if you put them in the bottom of the, in the glass, you can't, right? Sadly enough, I thought that I was getting away with this, um, but my mother is intelligent and so I did not. But yeah, so you look at, hey, you gotta eat your vegetables. And they're going, there's no way I'm gonna eat my vegetables. Until you say, well, then you're not gonna get your gifts. And so then they do this number, they go, huh? Put it in the mouth and just swallow it whole right? Just to get it down. Because why? What they perceive as gain is worth it. And so they respond differently. We're no different in every part of life. We respond to things based on our perceived loss or gain. We're gonna have to evaluate that today when it comes to the birth of Jesus Christ. So right now we're gonna be looking at Matthew chapter two, one through six to begin. Will you go ahead and stand for the reading of the word of God? Uh, If you're not accustomed to being in this place for worship, know that when there's something underlined, that's for you to call out. That's your part, okay? So, and if you don't do well enough, that's fine. I'll make you do it again. It's all good. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them, where is the Christ who is to be born? And so they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. This is the word of God. You can stay standing. I'm just kidding. You can that. give you a couple of things that stand out right away. The first couple of verses. One, it says in Bethlehem. Bethlehem means house of bread. Say house of bread. house of bread. We also know that not only it means house of bread, but it is the ancestral home of David. We've learned from this series that if you tie Jesus, the two primary people, you have to connect him to, to the Old Testament, Abraham and Right, so we know this. And so here he is, Jesus is going to be born in Bethlehem, means house of bread, ancestral home of David. It's about six miles below Jerusalem. So that's walking distance, it's not not that big of a distance. Um, Here is a small town, we would consider it to be good for nothing. Small, nothing, little town, middle of nowhere is what it would seem. That's how we would speak of it today. So you have Bethlehem. Now it's important that you know, Bethlehem. We're gonna get into this. It's prophesied even in Micah chapter five. So that's a big thing for us to recognize. But then you had the wise men. The wise men are individuals that we know came from the East. They studied stars, all right? I'm not gonna say they're astronomers, many would, but we know that they studied stars, that they knew the prophecies. It's incredibly likely that they were some of the people exiled centuries and centuries before. Remember things like the Babylonian exile? Yes or no? Just say yes, it makes you sound smart, okay? So here they would have likely been a part of this. They would have gone to the far east and now they know all these prophecies. It's been passed down from generation to generation. All of this is coming to fruition. And so as a result, they see the star and they begin to travel to go discover who Jesus really is. So these are the wise men. Then you have not only Bethlehem and the wise men, you have Herod, the other significant piece here. I think it's interesting because here's King Herod. Here's what King Herod is known for. Herod was a builder, a brilliant mind, an architect. But I would tell you, if if I look at two words, I think Herod was most known for. It was probably most known, he was probably most known for being a builder and cruelty. He was a cruel man. Throughout history, we see people who wrote of him and what he would do even to his own family. He was a cruel man, why? Because Herod was his own God. King Herod was his own king in every single way. And so you have Herod as well. Now, why does does Herod even matter? I'm gonna give you some of the significance and we've spoke about this several years ago here, but this was gonna help you out. Genesis chapter 25, verse 23. Genesis 25, 23. This is what it says. It says, uh, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger. The older will serve the what? The older will serve the younger. That's important to know because even when I spoke several weeks ago about the Good Samaritan in, in Luke chapter 15, We know that the younger son came to the father and said, I want all my inheritance. And he went and squandered it all, gave it all away. And the the father still received him back. Part of the thing that stands out about that is the fact that we know that the older would typically receive at least double the inheritance as the younger. So to say that the older is going to serve the younger certainly stands out. And the reason I'm sharing this with you is it says that two nations will be there. And this is being spoken to Rachel. All right. Rachel is the wife of Isaac, the son of Abraham, the son of who? Oh, there's one of the two that you got to connect Jesus with. So now what we find is here's Herod hearing this and he knows the prophecies. And it tells us that there's going to be two nations and the the older will end up submitting to the younger. Well, Rachel ends up having twins, which represents these two nations. Jacob and anybody know? Esau. Good job. Jacob, later known as Israel, is going to end up ruling over Esau. The two of them divide. We know that's a rough history there. And so all of a sudden what Esau does is he rules over these people and they're the Edomites. And it's known that they're going to end up serving under Israel. Guess what Herod was? An Edomite. And knowing the prophecy, he's going, Hold up. So here come these guys traveling a thousand they go, hey, we're from the Far East, we're from a thousand miles away, and we're coming to find the prophesied Messiah. And right off, he's just going, uh-oh, what's happening here? I'll give you another example. In Numbers twenty-four, eighteen. Numbers twenty four, eighteen. I'll get to the Christmas stuff, don't worry. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. Jacob meaning what? Israel. You guys, this is why I'm so in love with Jesus. Because you look at the entirety of it and you just go, wow. So we know that there's going to be a star out of Jacob, out of Israel. And it says that a scepter will rise out of Israel. He will crush the forehead, foreheads of Moab, the skulls of all the sons of Sheph, and Edom will be conquered. Oh, that's where Herod, that's, uh-oh. So Herod being aware of these prophecies, he starts to take action. In fact, Obadiah is even about this. So you got Genesis right? 25, 23, you got numbers, you got Obadiah being all about this. I've already told you that Bethlehem is quoting out of Micah chapter five, verse two. It's just prophecy after prophecy, after prophecy coming to fruition, being fulfilled. fact, he's so concerned about it, we discover in Matthew chapter two, it says, Herod, and the, king, uh, Herod the king heard this. He was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. Now, I do think that's interesting. Why all of Jerusalem with him? because they were under the oppression of Herod, who actually ruled underneath the authority of Rome. And Herod had cheated his way to get, to become king. He had had ceremonies done for him from the Jewish people and everything else. He forced it in order for him to claim kingship. He knew at the end of the day, Herod knew that he he was not the rightful king but he's serving Rome. The people are under oppression. And so everybody's troubled by what they're hearing. In fact, if you don't think that they're troubled, listen. this is what it says in verse four. It says, and so assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So here, Herod, the king, hears from these guys who come from the far East. They say, baby's been born, where is he? And simply by the response of Herod, they know something. Here's some of his response. He starts to assemble all the smart people. (laughs) He starts to gather everybody together who knows anything and says, okay, I know the prophecies here and what's going on? So much so that the next verse tells us that he secretly pulls the wise men aside and says, listen, you go ascertain where this baby, this child is. You come tell me so I can bow down and worship him. So also we know he's a liar, right? Because he's not going to do that. This gives you some basis, a foundation for the significance of what's taken place. And so here come the wise men. So they, what they're doing is they are what? They're seeking, they're seeking this king that was to be born. And I, I think they were surprised when they got to, to Jerusalem. I mean, J- Jerusalem is the definition of home field advantage for the Jews. And you would think that they're probably showing up after a long journey, a thousand miles, and they're waiting for a party. A thousand miles is a long way, isn't it? It's a a long journey. One of my friends came to me this week. They're like, hey, pastor, what are you doing for Christmas? I'm like, I'm working, how about you? I'm like, no, like, are you going anywhere? I'm like, no, um, maybe end of the week, might run down to Louisville, Kentucky. It is, everybody say Louisville. Louisville. It's not Louisville. (laughs) Blasted Yankees, like, come on. (laughs) Right, so my wife's family's there, might run down there for a few days later in the week. But I'm like, hey, what are you doing? And he's like, man, I gotta drive all the way to the beach in Florida. And I said, man, with all respect, Merry Christmas, but shut up. Like, did you have to buy sunscreen because you're going to go lay on the beach? Well, yeah. I mean, hello. I'm like, what are you? Stop complaining. I immediately prayed over him that he would receive nothing but coal. (laughs) God help him receive nothing but coal. So I, I look at that and I go, it's a thousand miles. It's a long way. But for them, I know it's a long way for us to drive that far, right? But for them, a thousand miles. That's why we know also that these wise men likely, the scholars, um, what Some would say six to 12 months after the birth of Jesus. I would say even longer than that, a year and a half or so. In fact, in the Gospel of Luke, when it speaks about the birth of Jesus, it's, it talks about the baby being born. Here it speaks about the child. And so it's later on. Don't get caught up into how many months and all this. stuff. Somebody else came to me like, well, how many months, how many days exactly do you think it was? I was like, I don't care. and It doesn't matter. It's later on. Wise men are showing up. It even tells us, it says, now after Jesus was born, those are the first four or five words of this chapter. So here the wise men are coming and they have been seeking him out. And now Herod brings them to him and says, yeah, now he's seeking to find out the location of where he is. He's wanting to know because he feels threatened in his own position as king. And so he calls the chief priests, the scribes, the religious leaders. They all understood the biblical information. Micah 5, 2 comes out in this verse, chief priest. They're like, okay, here's Messiah to be born in Bethlehem of Judea. All of this comes. The wise men have been seeking, and now Herod is also seeking him. Go ascertain. This is literally what it says. It says, In verse seven, Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared and he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. So now he is seeking him out as well. And after listening to the king, this is verse nine, they went on their way And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, this is you. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way remarkable to think about. So here's Herod attempting to use the wise men in order to discover where the child is so that he may kill him. We know later on in the same chapter in Matthew chapter 2, 16 through 20, we know that Herod ends up, this is his response because we, we, we do learn, hey, they've received warning, go to Egypt. So Mary and Joseph take the baby to Egypt and Herod finds out that the, 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 the wise men don't go back to him. And so he, he goes before the officials and says, kill every child, a male child under the age of two. Get rid of them. It's historical. It's, it's historical. We know this. So we see it here again in scripture. And Herod is that threatened by this child. So he was seeking and now they're both Discovering. They're both discovering this child. And naturally, as they're discovering this child, they're having to respond. In fact, it says in verse 10, it says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They see the star and they know what's coming and they get juiced. They get so excited about what's, it's like Christmas Eve. Like any of you ever been at that age? Some of you are already and still at that age, like tonight, you know, you're gonna have a hard time going to sleep. Anybody like that? All right. Like I just saw many grown men raise their hand. I love that. Um, that's so cool. Um, I'm not going to say names, Lee Horning and others, but like it's fun to think about the fact that you've got this excitement that wells up within you. My kids, used to, they just would not go to sleep and they would stay up and stay up. And so what you do, And I'll give you a little secret because nobody's really listening in. You put medication in their food. And some of you are going, yeah, but it's a tablet. You crush it first, mix it in with the mashed potatoes, they'll never know. All right, just to help them like, knock out for a little bit. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. I did not do that. Um, so you get that, you get that excitement, and you can't wait for what's to come. They see the star. And it tells us right away, they see the star and they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. This isn't this, to rejoice exceedingly with great joy is more than, oh, tomorrow's gonna be cool. No, it's nice, it's gonna be a good time. Right, it's more, to rejoice exceedingly with great joy is something that starts to take you over. And and it reminds me of that time when you're crying truly happy tears. You can't believe that this is happening. And they go into the house, verse 11, and they saw the child, the child, not the baby. They saw the child with Mary, his mother. And so they fall down and worship him. They fall down and worship him. I can only imagine what it would be would really have been to walk in and to see this child, the baby. When you're you're weary and fatigued, there's something that happens to your emotions. Like when you're just you're worn down, like you all maybe have had those seasons of where for a week or two or three or four, it just seems like it's nonstop. And you just, you get home and you go to bed and you wake up and you work and you just, everything is just going crazy in your life and you're trying to put all the pieces together and you're just weary. And then um, somebody looks at you in the grocery store and says, how are you? And you just start crying and you don't even know who's saying, how are you? You ever been that way before? These guys had to have been tired. A thousand mile journey. And now they see Herod going, hey, come here. I need to give, I need to make sure you ascertain the, the location of this child. And, and all of the confusion and thinking, wait, why weren't the people in Jerusalem worshiping? Why are they troubled? I thought they would be the ones we'd be walking in and they'd be having a party. Like what's going on here? And now they finally come to this child after such a long journey. I, I would have broken down and I would have fallen and I would have worshiped. That was their response. You see, the thing, here's the difference is, and I think today we have to evaluate what we're seeking. I think we have to evaluate what we're actually discovering in the birth of Jesus Christ. That's why I've given you so many different prophecies and Old Testament references that have all come to fruition perfectly. And then we have to discover if we're going to respond by receiving the Messiah, just as the wise men, or if we're going to respond by rejecting him, just as Herod. You see, Herod believed in Jesus, but he still chose to reject him. And I think sometimes we have a confusion about that in our society. We think that, well, I can't believe, I don't believe in God, I don't believe in Jesus. Well, no, many people believe in him. You can't deny his existence. You just haven't received him as king. And so many people today are actually rejecting him. They're like, oh, I know he's over there. I know he's present. I know that he's real and I get what he did, but I choose to reject him because I have my own agenda. I have my preferences. Herod wanted to be king. Herod wanted all power. Herod wanted all authority. And so Jesus threatened that. Some of us actually think that Jesus threatened our own preferences, our own opinions, our own desires, and so we choose to reject him, but you rejecting him doesn't remove him from being the king. You rejecting him doesn't remove him from being the king. And so here, Herod is going, I want my way, and yeah, he was a great architect and a great builder, and look at all that he did, and it's all gone, but Jesus remains. And so are you receiving Christ as the wise men are rejecting him as Herod did? The wise men responded, Herod responded. What does your response to who this child is say about who you actually are? The birth of the king Wise men, they walk in. There's this amazing young lady who God chose to use. And here is the son of God sitting there. And they offered him the best that they had. Gold and frankincense and myrrh. I mean, all of those represent something different, but all of those do represent the best of what someone would have to give. They didn't walk in, I don't think one bit, and say, oh, cool to meet you, it's great to be here. Have a good one, see you later. I don't think that the wise men cared about being cool It's amazing what being cool does to us today, right? We just wanna look a certain way and be seen in a certain manner. I'd rather be seen as being in love with Jesus than anything else in my life. And so they came and they bowed down and they worshiped the King of Kings and they recognized that he had come But Herod, knowing that he had come, rather than bowing down, he did everything he could to deny him. And I just, I know some of you may be here today for a first time. I understand that some of you might have come because you're here and now you're going to go have a nice brunch or a lunch or whatever. Don't really understand the difference, but you're going to go do all that afterwards with family. And so you agreed to come. But every single person has a responsibility of asking whether or not you will receive the authority of Christ or whether or not you will reject it. And if you say that you have received him as King, there's an appropriate response that should come forth from your life. And yes, our response, and this is where I started early on talking about not only what we're seeking and what we're discovering, but what we are responding with is that our response to discovering the truth about Jesus, I know that it can vary based on our perceived loss or gain, and some of you just can't wrap your mind around the fact that Jesus is greater than your preference. But this is what I want, and this is, I want to, I want, I, I want myself to be lifted up. I want to make myself known. I met somebody the other day, I'm like, man, do you know what you wanna do as a young, young person? I'm like, do you know what you wanna do for a living? They're like, I just wanna be famous. I'm like, oh my. I'm like, no, like, I'm not, try- I'm just like, oh my. There's only one that is worth being made famous. His name is Jesus. He is the son of God. God in flesh who dwelt among us. He is the living word. He is the living water. He is the good shepherd who guides us and comforts us. And the wise men knew what was coming through the prophecies and so they came and they bowed down and worship. But Herod, knowing the truth of who he was, chose to reject him because his life was threatened by receiving anything other than himself. Maybe that's even a better, do you, that's a better question. Do you feel threatened by Jesus? Like you know that if you really go, if you looked at your friends and people around you and go, I'm fully bought into Jesus Christ. He is my King, I am not. Does that threaten you? Because you know that you'll have to change and you will but I promise you that it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. And I assure you that you're in a church right now that will help you and guide you and pray for you and champion you to make much more of Jesus than yourself. Are you receiving him as the wise men Or rejecting him as Herod did. Just be honest about it. Go have conversation with friends later on. The reality is many have rejected. But at the end of the day, he will be worshipped. He will be worshipped. And so God, I come before you and I, I worship you and I praise you. I adore you. And on this Christmas Eve, as we celebrate the birth of a king, I am asking God that you would give courage and that you would give strength to my friends who need to say, you know what, I need to receive. I need to receive the Messiah and stop rejecting him. I need to surrender my life. Give him the courage to say that, God. Say, God, I I know that you gave your son Jesus to be born on this earth, God in flesh, to offer his life, to conquer death, to conquer sin. God, I thank you for loving us so much. In Christ's name.